0: Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of The First Word Podcast. My name is Alex, and I'm here with my co-host. Mike. And uh, thank you for joining us. Even though uh, this isn't our standard episode, we decided to get together and record something fun, uh, considering it is not only the end of the summer, uh, but also the beginning of the fall movie season with a lot of exciting Film Festival is kicking off in the next few weeks and just a lot of exciting movies on the horizon um, over the next few months before we get to the end of 2019. I, I already saw some who was it, some website recently published, uh, we're getting to the end of the year. What's your favorite of the year? And I was like, we have four more months of major movies to debut. <laughs> You're getting a little ahead of yourself here to talk about best of 2019 yet. Like We barely just finished the best of what you know, first half of 2019 lists and people are already getting excited to put together the end of the year list. And it's like, come on now. <laughs> so yes, welcome, Mike. Good to good to hear from you. <laughs> it's been difficult
1: to put ourselves together on this podcast, but we can't just do it every time something that's going to make a billion dollars comes out. So we, we're going to try and do something a little different.
0: Yeah, there's a couple different random talk, uh, sorry, random topics to talk about besides end-of-the-year movies, but other stuff coming up, too. Um, I'm currently in Italy. Tomorrow I go to Venice to kick off the Venice Film Festival. Um, and a lot of my other colleagues are going to Telluride this weekend for the Telluride Film Festival, and then everyone goes to the Toronto Film Festival. And um, yeah, I I mean, one thing, I, I hopefully we don't scare away people, but it's perfect timing because this morning they released the new, uh, I guess you could call it a Star Wars trailer for The Rise of Skywalker. And uh, Mike and I were kind of freaking out all day back and forth messaging each other about it um, because it's the first major look at something since the first teaser, which was not a lot. I mean, there's some great shots in it, but just not a lot to it. And this is the first, like, drop of two or three major, major kind of, I mean, I guess we'd call them reveals in this, what is essentially 45 seconds of footage from the new movie. Um, in a trailer from D23. It's 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 not even listed as a trailer. It's called, like, the D23 special look or something like that on, on the Disney website. But, um, yeah, we've been freaking out about it. And, uh, I mean, theorizing as to what it means, it's all, like, Dark Ray, what does she mean? And, you know, they're fighting on this uh, piece of the Death Star wreckage in the water. And um, there's C 3 C-3PO looking... The meme on Twitter is he's stoned, but... Other people, Mike, you said he's in war mode. Like it's like there's so much going on in this that again, none of us really have any idea about. But it's just like actual, finally, really kind of enticing footage that makes us be like, oh my god, what what are they building up to here? Yeah, no, it's exciting. I I it's definitely one of those trailers that feels
1: like a previously on <laughs> starting block before a TV show. Like uh, obviously, yeah. everybody knows. Uh, the story, the big picture, and all the main characters and everything, but they're going to continue to tie those things together in the marketing. I feel like I, I think that's important because of what's coming. It feels like you know marketing is always the the sort of lowest hanging fruit, right? It's mm-hmm. it's it, they don't usually reach for something; um, they let the movie do that itself. And in this case, it seems like they know the people who are super committed to watching this movie are already sold, and they just need to give those people a big gasp moment. They gave it the end of the first trailer was the gasp moment with the Emperor laughing, and the end of this trailer was the gasp moment with the double lightsaber. And, like, yeah, you could go on. We could have done a whole podcast on just this 30 seconds of footage <laughs> yeah. or whatever, but, like, yeah. you know, I'll, we'll just tell people to go to Twitter. I'm certainly, uh, like, going off the rails on Twitter today and I know you have as well and a lot of other people are and it'll die down over the next week or so and then October probably will be the next time we get something I feel like their yeah, first true. like true trailer will be October or something like that but but I, 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 I mean there's still a lot of stuff we haven't even seen we haven't seen yeah. Rose at once uh, we haven't seen um, R2D2 once uh, you know like there are still a lot of interesting questions that have nothing to do with the big picture stuff they've only yeah. been sticking to the big picture stuff so it's like lots of movie and i'm excited yeah. and, i was uh, thinking uh, um
0: can... actually i was wondering if Maybe they're going to pull a Christopher Nolan and release, like, one more full trailer and just nothing else, you know, aside from, like, TV spots in December. No way. And yeah, just kinda the TV like, spots, I was going to say, they're they they going to do... Well, of course, there'll be a big push in December, but I'm saying, like, wouldn't it be great if they're just kind of like, hey, we'll we'll drop one more t- trailer, which doesn't really show that much again, and just, like, like, let the anticipation just kind of build on its own?
1: But that's the um, new that's the new approach anyway to marketing a massive blockbuster that's almost guaranteed to make a billion dollars yeah, yeah. it's like we can repeat the same footage tweak the music a bit um, give them one one tiny thing that's new and and just kind of just just like harvest the um the hype <laughs> the anticipation <laughs> yeah let people yeah. do it themselves they they don't need to market they need to yeah. give people something to hype but they don't really need to oversell their movie. I mean, it's like you look at another trailer that just dropped today was the Lucy of Lucy in the Sky trailer with the Natalie Portman movie that's coming out in a few mm-hmm. months, and if like on paper that movie should be amazing. I know the backstory, and I suggest anybody who's even remotely curious go look it up. It, it's like a made-for movie story, but it, it the trailer is weird, and it's like almost like you can tell they don't know how to market this movie because it should be kind of like a murder mystery whodunit kind of approach. No, she didn't. She didn't. But the point is, like, like the the whole movie, the whole story is like, is she going to kill this person? She's, like, on this mission to kill somebody. She's losing her shit. And so you would imagine that the trailer would go Gone Girl on us or would go, like, you know, would, like, use the a mystery person. of whether or not this person is going to commit a crime or did commit a crime and then allow the story to unfold this it's weird i just don't get it I, i'm too familiar with the story maybe but yeah. it was just like who are you marketing this to and yeah. what are you what's your plan here and i think it's also kind of like they just know that this is an art house film it's a kind of really sort of underdog movie it's not going to make millions and millions of dollars but it's a story we've wanted to tell for a while so we're going to finally put it out there kind of thing like these are two ends yeah, of the I spectrum mean, I'm, I'm referring to it because it's the anti-star wars trailer and it also came out today
0: yeah yeah i understand mike um and i mean one thing i want to mention off of what you were saying is that uh from what i've read it is quote unquote loosely based on that story as in I don't for the sake of probably legal reasons, not only the fact that creative reasons and artistic reasons, they probably wanted to, to step away from what actually really happened. And to me, from my perspective, and this is maybe what you said, you're a little too close to it. It seems to be more of a film about how the perspective of space like totally screws with your head, which every single astro- astronaut who's ever gone to space, not talking about like Neil Armstrong stepping on the moon, but anyone who's literally gone to the space station and looked down at Earth from that view has had like a completely mind-blowing, life-changing alteration from that perspective, literally from the perspective that you get. And a lot of the trailer, and that's what you're saying about the funkiness of the trailer, is like the, the, the uh, I thought the perspective, the or the, sorry, the aspect ratio changes. Like it cuts between 4 by 3 and 16 by 9, and then it like, a couple of scenes, it, it opens up and closes back into it. And I thought, uh, based on what we were seeing, that maybe this was a before and after thing. Like it was a 4 by 3, before she goes to space, 16 by 9, after she comes there, kind of like gives you that, you know, almost like um, in First Man, once you land on the moon, as soon as it changes to the IMAX ratio, you just, you're just so taken aback by that feeling and that look of that, and that he wanted to capture that. But it doesn't, I don't know, the trailer doesn't completely con- sell that and make me feel if that's really the case, so I don't know, but I, I'm excited for what we're seeing in this trailer. And I, and I do when also agree is, with you. It, when's yeah. that playing? Is it? At, it's already so, did
1: festivals, right?
0: No, no, no. It it uh, it opens October. That's the weird thing is that um, I know the Fox Searchlight people, and I've been asking them since Sundance. I asked them at Sundance. I was like, when are we going to see something from this movie? It was called Pale Blue Dot originally, which uh, exclusive for those listening to the podcast. I they told me that they couldn't get the licensing from uh what's his name um <laughs> I'm forgetting his name now uh they couldn't get the licensing for the ability to actually use that title um and so they just went with the Sky," this guy which is ironically a Beatles title anyway um and then it's just like it, no one had any belief that it would be out this year actually everyone thought it would be out next year and then kind of out of nowhere um they just were like oh hey it's coming out in october like a-, a couple months or i think a month ago they just announced this and then it's playing in toronto at the toronto film festival but that's it has no other festivals no other premieres nothing else and then it's out in a few more weeks after that and it's very strange i mean i that does make me a little bit worried but i'm very hopeful for it sorry i just remembered carl sagan was the pale blue oh, doll yeah okay. um yeah. So so
1: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting movie. I'm, I I I yeah. I'm going to go. I have to see this movie. But uh yeah, when they say loosely based on a story that was already fascinating, it makes me wonder how they're going to do that. So, we'll see. But there's like, you know, I think one of the reasons we wanted to jump on a podcast was because, you know, there's just even if you just talked about trailers for the whole podcast, there's so much going on right now. And like I think we're we're transitioning from summer which was big blockbusters that sort of like did well at the box office, but didn't necessarily wow people into, you know, this is the greatest movie of all time, like Lion King mm-hmm. and, you know, just a, a handful all, all of Disney's movies, basically. I mean, <laughs> Avengers Endgame was yeah. um, an iconic movie and we've talked about it before, but It's just been like a couple months of big movies and huge sort of just missed opportunity movies. And now we head into the fall and winter, which feels like loaded with stuff. And I guess I can't tell if I feel like it's loaded because Apple TV and Disney Plus are starting to promote their platforms and they're coming out with some really interesting things or if it just really
0: is like going to be a strong fall winter. For movies well isn't this the isn't this the normal thing like we get to the fall and they save all the quote-unquote good stuff for the fall and you know of course uh it's it, one of the things that was funny to me is it kind of feels like everyone forgot about the fact that we have a giant star wars movie coming up in december maybe it was just a marketing thing but aside from that it's like there's a lot they've been saving up and holding on to and waiting to debut i mean aside from like Anna Astra, which we've kind of been waiting a year for after it was scheduled last year and delayed um, which is now, I think, also October and Joker in October and all this stuff. Um, but I don't know. I also think uh, you were talking about the summer. One thing I, I was gonna uh, say in relation to that is the is the way Tarantino kind of ended it with a bang in a way. Like I didn't expect. You know, to, when normally when Tarantino makes a movie or anyone, and kind of artistically. Re- minded like him releases something it's kind of an art house thing cinephiles talk about it and maybe it gets into the to the regular general public through time but this was like everyone was talking about tarantino even in germany like everyone went to go see it everyone was excited for it and i don't know if it was the subject matter the the sort of old 60s hollywood you know and pitt and dicaprio or if it was the uh just te- like new tarantino movie and maybe because it was everything disney in the summer finally we had something exciting to look for <laughs> that wasn't another disney movie or cg movie and i think that also kind of like it 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 became a summer blockbuster in a way that i wasn't expecting it to yeah uh,
1: i i think tarantino is a is such a household name and uh, even, Which is
0: funny because he's like such a, a brutal guy that my parents would never have let me watch as a kid, but now he's right. a household. Neighbor.
1: I I think he on one hand loves being a household name, and on the other hand wishes he was some kind of like art house name. He's not. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think people are always a little hesitant about his movies, the general public, because of the violence. But a word got out that this movie was not particularly violent. Like, there is very little to no violence until the end end of the movie, and by that point. That violence is earned and somewhat a relief because of who's dying. You know, it's like, yes, he's killed Nazis, and yes, he's killed slave owners, and yes, he's killed, you know, killers and hit men and stuff, but something about... The, the way that he does it is always so gruesome and he like revels in the violence and the gore. But this time he did that a, a bit, but like it's a movie about the people in it, not about the things that they do as much. And I think that's what resonated with people and made people go to the theaters. Also, there's just not been that much to go see. It feels like like big movies. If you care a lot about, about movies mm-hmm. um, and you you're in it, you see what's coming out and you maybe, you know, like I've seen, um, I, I've been actually digging into TV a lot more this year, but, um, I mean, I'm still averaging like four or five movies a month, which to a lot of people I know is wildly insane, but that's like a low number for me this year. And for me, it's just, I haven't been driven to see something while it's in theaters as much yet this year, as I know I will be the second half and like, on top of it you're making accessibility for these movies that are coming out digitally even easier and so it's like it's it's a changing of the tide too and I think you know this we broke records in box office so far this year a number of them but yet it has been it's been difficult to kind of really count out a top ten on I look at my top ten as as it is so far of the year, and it's like, wow, this is not going to stand. I mean, there probably one or two of these movies will be here
0: by the end of the year. Mm. Yeah, even my list only has four on it so far. Yeah. Um, what that makes me want to ask them, like, what is if you have to choose one, what is your favorite of the summer?
1: Of the summer. Um, yeah, from like May when, to, when summer. May to now. Yeah, made well, now.
0: I mean, you can count like late late April if you want to put. Uh, I think uh, I think I'm it, gonna but. go
1: with Rocket Man. Ooh,
0: that's a, that's a fair choice, though. That's yeah. Good.
1: Yeah, I think it would surprise a number of people who know me just because I, I don't I talk about even, it. But
0: Yeah, I didn't even know you had seen it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't talk about it, but I, I still, it's been the most enjoyable movie of the year for me. I, I mean, like, I, I loved Hobbs and Shaw. Don't get me wrong. I, I, um, yeah, but yeah. I, I kind <laughs> of categorized that separately. Um, I, I saved my love for Hobbs and Shaw for this sort of like wink wink side of conversations and book smart was up there too for me mm. as was long shot but you know long shot and good boys which were two comedies i loved um, oh, i haven't seen good boys it's that good well wow. I, I love good boys is really funny and it has some heart which i think is a nice touch um but it just sort of like you know comedies are, are hard to look at in a top 10 way it's just hard it, it has to transcend it for me like game night did that last year I haven't felt like we've had a game night yet this year, but you know, I I always like to try and have a comedy in my top 10 and things like that. But I look ahead and there's so much good drama coming. Like, and we have two, there's two of them are, are um, Adam driver movies. They're not going to be in theaters, of course, but like, Well, Marriage Story is not going to be – is it going to be in theaters? Do you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Netflix does the in-select theaters, which means in not very many theaters because no one plays – like the cinemas don't want to They just want to get their uh, eligibility for the Oscars. Yeah, and they just want to claim that we played in theaters. Yeah.
1: Um, I I don't don't know. I doubt the report will go out in theaters. I know you had seen that. No, no.
0: That one one is because Amazon separately from Netflix is actually like trying their hardest to make a theatrical effort. I guess and you know, not, yeah. They it's, They know, the started side. as a
1: theatrical release company, yeah, yeah. and then, and, it,
0: and the, the report to me is, um, I saw it at Sundance, and I wasn't the biggest fan of it. But it's it it's easy yeah. to sell it as like the spotlight of this year.
1: Of course, uh, and, and honestly, like anybody else in the lead role, you would have had to work a little harder to get me excited about it. But I would watch Adam Driver just like sleep for two hours. I, honestly, like he's he's he that have a much big of a drive. Then. What? Between
0: the report, he's gonna have a huge fall season between the report, Marriage Story, and uh, Star Wars. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably something else we're forgetting, and he he might get nominated for one of those at least. Um, I I feel like Marriage Story is
1: his is his shot at a nomination. I, the other ones feel kind of cold or whatever, but performance wise. But yeah, you're right. I mean, three big movies for him. And I didn't even see The Dead Don't Die, which was his other one this year. I yeah, I, I yeah. didn't I'm gonna watch that, but I didn't like saying ghouls good. in a funny way in a trailer isn't enough to get me to a movie theater.
0: <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about you watching sleep and now you're refusing to see ghouls Adam Driver. I know. No, don't worry, you are not missing anything with Dead Don't Die. That was probably my biggest letdown in the game. Oh, that's a so, bummer.
1: And then um, the other I guess tying things together was the Mandalorian trailer too, which was like I think I I, I just I sometimes I have a hard time figuring out if I'm a fanboy or not. Star Wars, if like, and by fanboy I mean how,
0: how can you say no? I, I mean, <laughs> I to hard. me
1: there's a difference. Fanboy means you relentlessly like like you, it doesn't matter if it looks bad, you're excited about it, and I haven't felt like anything that they've released has looked bad. And so I can't tell if I'm not seeing the forest through the trees, but I've loved everything that they've released Star Wars content since the handover. And so I'm dead set excited. And I think John Favreau is a kick-ass director and that trailer was fucking incredible. And yeah. I don't really understand how it works doing yeah, like
0: TV, but not TV. So that's, that's... my curiosity. That's my biggest mindfuck with The my, the Mandalorian is I'm like watching it thinking like, oh, this is going to be a great movie. And then I'm like, wait, no, I don't even – how many episodes is it? Like eight or ten or something? I, I don't have even no know. idea. But that's exciting is like it's not just a movie, number one. It is potentially six to eight hours worth. And the trailer kind of hints at that. Like there's some disconnected scenes which I – you know normally I would criticize and be like, what are they doing here? But of course I thought to myself, well, there's – uh, supposedly enough going on for that many episodes that they'll extend it, you know, and go to different places. But at the same time, I'm like, whatever's going on in here, I'm sold and I'm I'm sucked in. It's probably the only thing I'm truly genuinely excited about on the Disney Plus slate um, so far, at least. Uh, yeah. Um, no, actually, because I I want to I want to. Um, drop this in here. I was actually thinking, since you mentioned it, uh, of all the movies, like Hollywood blockbuster movies from the summer, the one I really love the most, honestly, is Long Shot. Like, that one to me is the true transcendence from comedy to like greatness in a way where I think I just had no idea what to expect. And I saw it really, really late. It opened where I was like two or three months after in the US. So I saw it way after everyone had already, you know, said good things about it and no one was even talking about it. And I kind of was expecting it to be good, but I didn't realize it would be like this good. Because to me, where it exceeds is in uh, the streamlining of it. Like it never wastes any scenes. It never goes too much down one path or another. It's just like every last moment to it comes together to be exactly what it needs to be in terms of this great, like subversive in a way story about – uh, you know, a, a, a romance and a relationship, but within but this greater context of modern society and, and flipping gender roles and all these different things. And like, I don't know, it just really s- it hit me, but especially in a way where I-, I wasn't expecting it to be that, like my favorite compared to Tarantino, compared to even Avengers, compared to Godzilla, which I, you know, that's what I mean. Like thinking back to the summer, I'm like, there's nothing that really blew me away until long shot everything else i thought was either you know good a couple of okays and maybe a couple of greats but nothing that like truly blew me away and that's what i would sadly say about this summer is there was nothing I, and you know i hate when critics get into that whole discussion about this was such a bad summer it's like well every summer is either gonna be like You you never really know. And I don't know how to, I don't know whether they say it's Hollywood's fault for like being overzealous and trying too hard with these movies. Like Godzilla is an interesting, not box office failure, but failure of a movie because it was like, it had all these awesome elements and it had the budget to be incredible. And it just kind of like falls apart in the script. And you're like, well, how did they mess that up even though they got the rest of it right? And, you know, it's that's what I think about a lot with these summer movies is where do they. Where did they drop the ball? But... I, I just also feel like, you know, I, I'm
1: excited about Godzilla coming out tomorrow on Blu-ray. I'm actually, like, ready to go to Best yeah. Buy and buy it in 4K because it felt like when I was there <laughs> in the theater, I was like, man, this is a movie I would love to just have on my iPad and go to the scenes that are awesome when yeah. I'm on an airplane and then just skip the rest of it. Because, like, that's what that movie was to me. It was three or four, like, sick action sequences, and then just like a weird hodgepodge of other stuff. We've talked about this on a previous podcast. I just sort of felt like it was like somebody drew a bunch of really cool concept art, and they said, great, let's make that movie. And then later they were like, wait, we have to connect these things, these things somehow. How do we yeah. do that? And then they it's just sort of like they, they didn't even care about the fact that they were making a movie that was bringing Godzilla and Kong together for the next one, which... Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though these movies have been underwhelming for most everybody, I think the world's going to get up and into theaters for Godzilla vs. Kong. There's like something about having flagship characters face off like that It just gets people in the theater. And they know it.
0: They know it. And I think it's set for March, so they don't have to worry about that. Like, is it a summer movie thing? They could just be like, oh, Mm -hmm. everyone's going to come have a good time in March and just watch them battle. I guess the other movie that I really liked that came out this year
1: was um, Alita. That was this year, right? I watched yeah, it this year. Yeah, that was also in like
0: February or something. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that was a huge surprise. That's in my top 10 right now, and I, I don't know if it'll last, but as we're talking about it, I just think it's great. It's a very um, underrated movie.
0: Yeah, I, I. that's actually one of them I'm really looking forward to revisiting once it's out. Well, well, it is out, but like actually sitting down and revisiting, and especially because I think one of the frustrations I have with it is this the way it ends so re- abruptly as the world is like just getting going, um, which is also after two and a half hours worth of, you know, everything else that goes on. Uh, and, and therefore, like, I actually thought to myself, if, if, if we had the sequel or sequels or however much they want to do, you know, two and three of this movie already ready to go, I think all three of them together, I would be like, this is awesome. I love the whole world. I love where it goes. I loved that The first movie, like kind of like Lord of the Rings, it sets it up continues it and leads to somewhere but considering this is only just that first portion to me like watching it that first time i was like oh huh like right when i was really getting into it it just ends and i think if i rewatch it now i'll, I'll actually enjoy it more and just appreciate what we do get of it and even though like some of my frustrations were um the rollerballer i don't know what what is it called <laughs> this the ball sports thing uh, yeah. that they do
1: i don't know what they uh, called it
0: but they, like, there's there's the they do show it quite a bit, and they do show some of the matches. But there was like one, there was another one scene where they're like, and the match is about to begin, and then it just cuts to the like, it being done and the whole next thing. And I was like, wait, I wanted to watch that, <laughs> you know? But uh, but I realized in the context of that movie, it was necessary for the like progression of the story and also cutting down on it being three hours, you know. And we do get a couple of the, like, I think the final one is pretty awesome. Um, but I don't know. There's just yeah. I do. I, you know, Mike. That would be the perfect movie to like for me to sit down with you and revisit, and we could like chat about it while watching it and have a good time. Yeah. But uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, just from um, I I do think right now we're in this year of the blockbusters, right? Where it's every year. Is it year. is, but more than ever, I feel like all of the attention, all of the discussion, all of the. Um, money is going towards a select few movies and yes, that's been the case for a while, but it feels more than ever this year simply because not a lot of like dramatic indie movies have really hit their stride yet and I, I think they're we're backloaded on them and it's gonna suddenly be I think now we move on towards after summer and yes, this is the way it is every year, but I guess it's just feels different to me right now is we're we've uh, we're doing this podcast like actually on the day in which it changes over to now performance-based movies for the rest of the year <laughs> I, yeah. I i mean how many non-performance-based movies are coming out really what do you like, mean my high prof- <laughs> high profile movies you know i mean they're all performance-based man. no but I, yeah but performance-based performance focused like You know, Joker is a movie that's high profile, that's um, essentially an action comic book character, you know, sort of by trade. But it's all about this performance of this guy, this one singular thing that we're going to all pay attention to and talk about. Ad Astra seems like it's a very dramatic take on a space action movie. And, you know, keep going down the road. I mean, Gemini Man, that's going to be the next dumb but I I feel like that's going to be a flop, a huge, huge, huge yeah. flop. <laughs> let's course. talk about that for a second, actually, because we're never going to talk about it again. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I don't, honestly I don't even know if I'm going to see it, but
1: yeah. Give me give it. Let's go. Let's go two to three minutes on Gemini Man, because <laughs> no, I just wanted I just, Gemini <laughs> Man cast. I can't I can't think of a movie I've I've been turned off to more by its trailers in the last yeah. five years than Gemini Man. Like, like, I and I, I hate. I hate the movie already.
0: Yeah, I know, dude. And I don't want to agree with you. What I do because I, I, I Every time like Ang Lee makes a new movie, especially a sci-fi movie, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, please be good. And then it just like they just start showing stuff from, and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> and why does it look so terrible? Especially because he can, he can make a movies. We've seen them all. He won like freaking five Oscars by now, right? Yeah, um, but like, Ang Lee's yeah. great
1: achievement. Is uh well, Crouching Tiger Head and Dragon. I'll give him that. But well yes, broke. For me, for me, is broke is Brokeback Mountain, right? I, I, I don't like Life of Pi. I've never been a big fan of it, despite oh, its I visual do. accomplishments. I feel like Billy Lynn's Halftime Walk was one of the worst movies the last Five yeah, but years. that's his most
0: that's his other recent failure following Life of Pi. Like this is the path he's on now, but sorry. Um Yeah, that's that's what I
1: I mean his next movie was supposed is supposed to be um uh, about Ali versus Frazier. And like I really don't want him to mess that up because I would love to see a good movie uh about that fight. But like, I, I don't he, – he feels like Clint Eastwood to me, right? Like a guy who we always <laughs> – his name comes up because he has been successful in the past, but not because this next one is going to be his next great success story. When they start advertising the filmmaker and not the film, I get worried. Put it that way. I mm-hmm. feel like that's a little bit of a tell that – especially when you're going into full trailers. Like if it's a teaser and you're like Christopher Nolan's next movie, that's different. Um Tarantino is probably the only director I think that's transcended. It's a Tarantino movie, so it must be good, and then it ends up being good. Like mm-hmm. Ang Lee and the producers are hanging on Ang Lee being Ang Lee, of right. his right. success stories, and not like how he is a straight up hit or miss kind of guy for me at least.
0: Yeah, and this is this is the unfortunate thing about him is he's just like I, I, I don't. I actually thought to myself, watching these trailers, like, maybe he's just one of those sheltered Hollywood people, not Hollywood, you know, filmmakers who, who no one tells, like, hey, you're not making good stuff to anymore, you know? Like, there's no one around him in any situation that is, like, actually being respectfully critical of him. Therefore, he just, like, everyone around him is like, oh, hey, make what you want. Because I was thinking, like, how does he end up in these situations where he's still being able to do kind of creatively like, or has the creative freedom, so to say, to do what he wants, but makes junk. And I think the problem with Gemini Man that scares me is that it's like it was such a high concept thing to the point where he got Will Smith on board. He got Will Smith to do young Will Smith and old Will Smith. And like conceptually, I guess the script has been around for a long time. Finally, they're making it. And it's just like, but all the footage looks so bad. And maybe that's why this script has been around so long is that he should have never made it. So why did Ang Lee make it? Why did this end? Like, what was his thing where he's like, oh, I'm really excited about this. And yet no one was like, uh, Ang, you shouldn't do this. Like, it's going to be junk. It's not for 2019. It's for, you know, 1999. It strikes and, me as
1: the kind of movie that um, is sold on the tech. It's sold on, we can yeah. look at what we can do. And... Um, you know, I just frame rates and that kind of shit. It's just like, I, you know, I jumped on board with the 3D thing. I thought 3D was actually pretty cool, and I liked its utilization when it was applied properly. And and you know, obviously, it was bastardized for uh, ticket sales in many <laughs> cases. But like, there were a lot of movies where it was truly an achievement. Uh, it brought another layer to filmmaking. I don't see how 60 frames per second will ever do that.
0: Well, I... Not this, this, again, could be a whole podcast of its own, but I, I've always said since 2009 when Avatar came out that the only person who will prove and show us the potential of that is James Cameron with Avatar 2, which is his, since 2009 has been his plan. Um, and, of course, we still have to wait two more years. I think it's 2021 it's scheduled. So... Um, I mean, that was always my thought, too, with Ang Lee. was like, uh, hey, everyone hates high frame rate. Like, why are you doing this? And even from, like, a standpoint of, you know, you have to to step back as the filmmaker and recognize that the audience is not going to like it, and how is he unable to do that? And one of my thoughts was that when you're shooting on set and when all the tech is accessible to you, even in the editing room, And in the sound stages where you're watching the playback to get it ready, you know, in post, he has all this million dollar tech that he can view it on, but regular people are not going to view it that way. And therefore he, I think he's like totally lost in it as a filmmaker, kind of like, I hate to say it without pissing people off, kind of like virtual reality. Some people see it and are like, oh, I love VR. And I'm like, it's just a tech fad. And uh, I think he's so lost in that potential that he doesn't realize that the audience has co- like zero interest in it, in a complete disconnect from what he's seeing. And so that's one of the things I wonder with high frame rate. Right? I'm like, yeah, I think one. I know what you're saying, Mike, and that's what a lot of people had because after um, The Hobbit too, which I don't even know if you saw, but like everyone hate anyone who even saw it in high frame rate, which was like a few people before they pulled it. They hated the way it looked, and, and even I, who was an advocate for it felt like there was something wrong with it. So I get that this you're just like, it will never happen, it will never work. But I but I think Cameron will only be the one who will show us the potential for it. Like imagine well you I mean you can't imagine, but Avatar 2 fully realized 3D high frame rate worlds, you're gonna you're you're not gonna be thinking about it like the way you are with Ang Lee's movie. I think part of the problem is the the fact that it's presented as human characters. Like right now that's the big issue is that it's it's almost like an uncanny valley on top of like actual real footage of them and then i think it also works better with cg creations as in the complete pandora world that cameron's working on with avatar 2 i think it'll work much better in that way and i think he has the chance to like smooth it out in a way where you don't feel the the the, you you don't feel it anymore which is the problem is that when you're watching that high frame it you feel it but the weird thing is that that was the way ang lee intended and, and has shot gemini man but none of that is in the marketing anymore and i think part of the problem with the trailers is that it's downgraded or whatever it's called when he's like turning it into regular 24 frame rate footage and it looks terrible when you do it looks like um the the film i always think of when i watch these gemini man trailers is uh this this random sci-fi one in time if you remember like a couple years ago where, where it just it's just like it just it just looks like they spent zero money on the sets and you're like, just this, this looks like they just went to the streets of Los Angeles and shot. They're like there's nothing to it and it looks too real in a way where you're like, this isn't a Hollywood movie.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it, it's true. It, I think sometimes it's just uh, I, I try to be an advocate for, hey look, if a filmmaker wants to use his clout and his experience to yeah. do something he wants to do then go for it. I'm not going to stop him. I can't stop him. I'm not going to be able to slow down the release. I just won't see it. And um, I'll probably will see it eventually when it comes out. Um, And it's $4.99 for rental on iTunes. And and I will watch it because I'm curious about movies. But, like, I don't like this sort of battleground that has come up where you have to pick whether you – care about a movie because it's doing something new or whether you care about a movie because it looks like a good movie in and of itself like outside of the tech advancements and James Cameron like you said is probably the only guy I think who's ever really said I'm gonna change the way we make movies and I'm gonna do it with a good one like most people don't have a script that's as good as the the, the achievement they're trying to accomplish behind the camera. Chris Nolan maybe comes in second with, you know, like, in-camera work, but that's really more geared towards the film itself. He's not really – I mean, using IMAX cameras was really just because he – whatever, we don't – let's not get into it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa, this is getting exciting. No, I, I know what you mean, though. Like, Because yeah.
1: I, mean, I just – I don't want to spend too much time on yeah, Gemini I Man. Would- He's He literally, there are three different scenes. And I also think it might just be a matter of really poor trailer editing. Like, how many times they go back to the motorcycle fight, you know, is, yeah. an, is frustrating. Yeah. It's, like, annoying. So, um, I, I do try to keep in perspective that um, bad trailers are not always a sign of a bad movie. Um, but the lack of buzz
0: is not a good sign.
1: So... <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. I think yeah. it, like
0: you said I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be one of the biggest uh, bombs the rest of the year uh, Flops. probably, to, but
1: probably. um I guess yeah and then looking ahead though you know it really picks up I feel like we just have so many interesting movies like there was that trailer that came out the other day for a movie no one had ever heard of called Lexi um, oh
0: Je- Jexi, you mean Jexy,
1: sorry I mean <laughs> like
0: actually- it was formerly known as like I had it on the release schedule as Lexi with an L and I didn't it was weird because it kept showing up as a Jexy different place and I was like which one is which and then the trailer came out as Jexi, and I was like oh okay. I laughed I mean I kept waiting
1: for the trailer to turn into oh that's why this is getting released like that feels yeah. like it could be my num- my my big comedy of the year because it feels uh, like a high concept sh- joke where they yeah. actually are going full force with the joke like They seem to care enough about making fun of the movies, like her, right? That it's Mm -hmm. clearly referencing loosely. That awareness will go a long way for me.
0: Yeah, I I see your point. I just hope there's more to it because it's a really thin plot concept to begin. Like, it's like, I get it. And they literally show most of it in the trailer. And then I'm like, what else do you have besides this? Um I'm hopeful for it, and if you like it, that's a good sign because you're the you're the better judge of of good comedy. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> but no, you're you're right. There's a actually my, my my fear is that they're overloading the fall this year. Like that, I have a personal problem, which is that in September they they dump literally every frickin' indie movie they possibly can. It's like everything from Toronto and Tribeca last year gets dumped in September of this year. And just like every other indie film you've never heard of just shows up in September gets released. And I don't understand it because I'm like every critic is at other festivals, number one. Number two, it's like September. It's a weird freaking time of the year where no one really cares about movies because you have everything else coming up in October and then you have everything in December. And then it's just like – it's also like why not spread it out? <laughs> so there's not only the indies in September but then there's also like – this overload of stuff, like like not only the Jaxie which gets added and and thrown in the mix, but then it's like, oh, you can't forget. There's a Terminator movie. There's this Doctor Sleep movie, which is the um, the the Shining sequel. There's this Midway movie, which is like, wait, Roland Emmerich made a movie? Wait, <laughs> you know? And then there's, so there's Ford vs Ferrari. There's Charlie's Angels. Nineteen Seventeen. Like, yeah. There's there's this Bridges movie which they delayed. There's the Tom Hanks. Uh, um, Mr. Rogers one. There's the Frozen sequel. There's the Ryan Johnson uh, Clue movie. Nice out. There's like there's this film that we they haven't released any trailers yet. Um, and I had no idea they shot it, but it's supposedly going to be released in December called The Aeronauts, which is uh, f- like this yeah. Felicity Jones, which is this like big f- like concept film about these um, dirigibles, uh, basically like drifting uh, or floating um, uh, blimps. And like action takes place on there supposedly, right, they're like, gonna.
1: They have a lot of heavy lifting <laughs> to do to get people on board for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's like it's like wait, that's supposed to be out this year too. And then and then the cats movie, and then you know this is in addition to Star Wars, and then the Little Woman movie, and it's just like like and okay, cats. Yeah, like it's yeah. Just like, there's a yeah.
1: lot. I mean, it it definitely feels like they backloaded this year with the good stuff, and I'm well, wondering why they couldn't just put a little more of that in the front end
0: yeah and I, I know like saying cats right maybe it's not ready they you know they, they don't have, you know all the effects aren't done that goes for most of these films because they're heavy VFX films but like it's it's just a little bit some of them are gonna bomb some of them are gonna be terrible some of them are gonna be amazing and no one sees them. Um, and and then of course there's going to be the big ones that everyone talks about like no matter how good or bad Frozen 2 is everyone's going to be talking fro- well, about Frozen 2 in November even when a week later the new Ryan Johnson movie comes out and maybe it's incredible but everyone's going to be on Frozen 2 and Tom Hanks is Mr. Rogers and it's like especially in an already overwhelming social state with so much you know in our lives anyway it's just an overload of movies and of course I would love to sit here and do a podcast on all of these with you Mike but I know we can not I know you know, most people probably wouldn't even listen anyway. <laughs> it's a frustrating time, but uh, yeah. But uh, but as movie fans, it's exciting to me because this is literally my job, and this is everything I go through. You know, and I I go see as much as I can. I don't see everything anymore, but I, I you know I I'm curious about a lot. I, I'm hopeful about a lot. I just um, I I just don't know how
1: all of those things you just mentioned are going to how I'm going to see all of these movies and start watching Disney plus and start watching Apple TV. Exactly. exactly, And Netflix is going to ramp up its release content. All of the like Amazon prime's going to the, everybody's going to compete for my time at home. And then I'm going to have to go to the theater to see dozens of movies that look really good that I really want to see in theaters. But it's like, it is a push and a pull right now where it's, it, it it's, it's I'm very curious how things go this winter because of the onslaught of digital programming and how that's going to change the way we go to movies because this is the best test we're gonna get for it. Good quality lots of lots of movies that fit um, the bill for you leaving the house to go see them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yet we have so much at home now and double so yeah. when when Christmas yeah. comes around so. Very curious to see how that how that affects the box office.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be bad, but also I think the reason why Disney is so heavily invested in Disney Plus is because they know that the, the kind of paradigm and viewing is changing and they can somehow get away with that shift and then not have a loss at the theater. I mean, I know from this is pure anecdotal thing. It's like from my family, my brother has, um, you know, uh, uh, my my nephew is a young boy who loves movies. But I know that they occasionally go maybe once a month or once every couple months, they'll go see something. I remember they went to see um, the Dragon uh, movie, Dragon 3, uh, How to Train Your Dragon 3. Um, but most of the time they wait for stuff to come online at home. So even if there's a big movie that he's like, oh, I really want to see this. I really want to see this. They usually still wait until it ends up on VOD the because there's not only it's like it's almost like a money saving tactic, which is really important in our current society right now. It's like they can buy it once for fifteen dollars and then watch it as many times as they want, which is immediately going to happen to him if he loves the movie. And it's or, this like or, or rent the movie for five dollars
1: where three people can sit in the room and watch that movie for half the price of one ticket in the theater. Uh, Yeah. so I I get it. I mean, I am falling victim to it myself. I I just, I love not just exclusively going to the movie theater now Mm -hmm. because there's a movie out. Like I am now actually selecting, I don't know if it's just, you know, growing up. If I'm, you know, I'm, I'm I'm entering my mid thirties. I have, I, I make, I, I value my time more. I don't double, triple feature. I don't know if it's because I have two dogs now and I can't just leave the <laughs> one at home for twelve hours yeah. and he's happy. I uh, I don't know if that if the reasons are unique to me, but I definitely find myself watching content all the time. I'm a consumer of content. I I mean, my list of shows has really risen over the last few months. Where I'm consuming mind hunter season one and two i'm you know i'm consuming the boys uh season one like these are shows that are legit great shows um and it's not just one hour a week on sunday nights on hbo which are also good shows but ones that i can just wait until i have basically saturday and sunday and i'll just sit and consume the entire show Mm -hmm. and then i will move on to my week it's pretty nice (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm not a, globetrotting that... like you. I I can do this, uh, but still, it's it, it's um it's made me wonder if I would rather just stay home with my wife and my dogs on my couch, order some food, maybe make the food, and just spend eight hours on one show for the whole day, and just dedicate that day to that show and getting it over with, <laughs> also enjoying yeah. it.
0: Well, this is. I mean, first things first, the, there's this age-old theory of, oh, the 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 TV is going to kill the the cinema. I mean, they've been saying this is literally the invention of the TV. Uh, and, of course, over all of that time, decades now, it hasn't actually killed the cinema. So I know that, like, as much as we love to talk about that fear of it, it's not going to fully happen. At the same time, I think we're entering this new social level where there's just an overabundance of, of content. And I would love to have this in our next – we did a Netflix episode last year, right, with with uh, Peter from Slash Film. I would love to do another one with him, kind of like a streaming discussion. And one of the things I want to talk about is just the, this idea that, like, as critics, what I see is that critics try to watch every Netflix movie that they release as a, like, oh, I'm a critic. I have to review it. And I'm like, that's literally not the point of Netflix. The point of Netflix is we're going to release 100 movies – you know, these 10 people are over here are going to watch these 10, these 10 people are going to watch these 10, this, you know, this person's going to watch these five. And it's meant to be a stick on the wall, see what works with a, a what is it, like billion subscriber base kind of thing. And that's their whole point. And I think that's the, the realm we're entering is, as you already said, Mike, there's just a massive amount of content between now three, four major streaming services, in addition to all these movies that it's just like, you can't watch everything. I mean, Maybe you can, but I really don't believe everyone is truly watching it. If they do, and you're going to have to pick and choose, and that's their point. They know that they're the content creators. They know that it's a pick and choose world, and that's how they win. But for consumers, it's a very frustrating thing, especially as like, you know, movie and entertainment fanatics. It's like I want to get into everything, but I can't. We can't. So, yeah. Well, watch think I think it's
1: it's we've gotten to a place where the digital environment, especially of discussing shows and movies is pretty sort of it's like congealed almost you know it's like (laughs) we know where to go to figure out what people are talking about and if people are talking about it then more people watch it and more people talk about it and it becomes a hit that's how that's how non-televised shows really take off you know the televised shows tend to be you know they they have a more natural the, the way it's been happening for years um drive you know you get a couple good seasons going people start saying wow this is actually a really good show and then they it drives it forward but like a show plops online on netflix or something to very little fanfare uh and and it just and it drives web traffic and people start talking about it and then i find out about it and then i watch it and then i start talking about it and so there's not a release date There's not a weekend, a Sunday night where we talk about this show. There's not a Friday night, Thursday night, Friday night where the opening weekend is happening and those four or five days are the big hot spot for talking about the movie. It's just this sort of nonstop discussion because it's just there. It's always there. And that, I think, is what has allowed people to embrace, especially TV shows on those platforms. I'm curious, to bring it full circle, like how... Disney Plus, for example, is going to release their shows. I think they had already said it somewhere, but I can't remember what they said. And, you know, are they going to just plop them all at once? Are they going to do a weekly release of an episode? How are they going to kind of continue to try to rewrite the way we do things? Because if I know anything about Disney, they don't like to just follow suit. They like to try and switch it, change the way things work. I think they're doing that by releasing TV shows on their digital platforms that have an immediate and direct impact on the narrative of their movies in theaters that's never been done before
0: yeah and I I thought I had read like yesterday or something that they were gonna do um, they weren't gonna do the binge thing like they which is weird but also, it's weird because Netflix will and Sarah, they're they're kind of like bashing heads in that sense but but who knows, you know. Who know like especially with something like Mandalorian maybe they'll just be like, oh, we'll put it all out." But I actually think maybe the Mandalorian they'll do week to week. I don't know. It's 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 a fascinating. Well, you want to
1: you want to um you want to tell us a little bit about Venice cuz you're yeah. you're trotting around Italy and I think you're doing it because you're going to the Venice Film Festival, right? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I went for years and years to Telluride, right? and now Venice is uh, actually much cheaper to get to um, than flying all the way back to Colorado. So now I just go to Venice, and they generally show, show the same kind of stuff. So I'm really, really excited because it's kind of like this is the big kickoff moment. As I said at the beginning of the show, Like this is the moment where the fall season starts. They finally start showing all these films that we've been waiting for and these big you know things. So, of course, Joker is premiering on Saturday, uh, this, the end of this week, which is... You know, I think a lot of people are ready to hate it, but I also think if, if, if it's at festivals, that means something. Are you going to um, see it on Saturday? Of course, of course. I'm very, I'm actually very excited. <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to be great in a way that it's going to piss people off great. Like people are going to not be able to, to truly admit that it's great and they're going to be upset that something that's so, like, grungy is great. Um, but I think I think that's the point. Um, and then, of course, my next most anticipated is Ad Astra, which um, I'm, I'm like up and down on James Gray. I, I, I hate some of his films. I love some of his films. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of like I wasn't excited, you know, to this degree until they started releasing the trailers. And I've heard, you know, just, just this buzz that's like, OK, this is going to be incredible. And I think part of my excitement is also I have no idea where it's going to go. Like there's hints and teases in the trailers, but I don't know where it's going to end up. Like, is it going to be 2001-esque? or is it just going to be kind of like gravity where he just deals with some shit? Don't and forget
1: sunshine. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm gearing towards a sunshine style third act, crazy, like mega show. We haven't seen any of it in the trailer. It's just, there's one shot in the trailer that I won't get into. Cause I don't know how much you're like, you know yeah don't say it you're don't signing off it in like two days <laughs> but I've, I've been studying the trailers like i do with star wars because i'm super into this movie and there's a shot in it that implies something that is going to happen that i think in the trailer just feels like a big cool like moment that flies by but in, in inspection is like holy shit i think this is yeah. like the big moment in the end of the movie <laughs> so we'll talk
0: about it once i've seen it then because i'm excited to... yeah me too um and then, uh, actually, again, based on the trailer, the other one I'm really excited for is the Noah Baumbach uh, marriage story with Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. Like, I, 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 Baumbach, again, has kind of been a little bit weak recently. I, I like Francis Ha, and I, I like some of his, his recent work, but then um, I just, you know, it, it just hasn't been exciting. But then they put these trailers out, and I'm like, this is going to be great. Like, some people are actually claiming Oscar-level great, um, which is interesting. I don't, like... I don't know. I think it'll just be a great film. I don't know if it's that great, but, um, strikes I me know. based on that
1: companion trailer, which is such a cool idea, uh, yeah. as just like if they're not both nominated and why are we here? Like, that's where I'm at right <laughs> yeah. now. You know, I, I imagine this is going to be
0: really good. Yeah, definitely. Um, the other one, of course, similarly based on filmmakers, uh, Soderbergh's La *The Um with uh, S- What's Soderbergh. Has, <laughs> uh, it's with Meryl Streep and Gary Oldman and Sharon Whoa. Stone, and the the synopsis says a widow investigates an insurance fraud, chasing leads to a pair of Panama City law partners exploiting the world's financial system. See, so it's only only
1: fucking thing. Soderbergh you if you read that synopsis to me i'd be like pass that does not sound like a movie right, i right. want to see and then you say those actors and soderbergh and i'm just like in 100 percent. tell me <laughs> yeah. everything
0: yeah. it's awesome yeah um i and again i i wasn't the biggest fan of high flying bird but i'm like it's Soderbergh. like i'll watch anything he doesn't again hope for the best uh Um, and then, uh, I'm, I'm excited only in the sense that I hope it's good for The King, which is this new film from David Michaud, who's this uh, Australian filmmaker. Um, he did Animal Kingdom, he did The Rover, and then he did a really terrible Netflix film, which I always forget the name of because it's so bad, uh, with Brad Pitt, I think, like this war film, I just hated it. And then this King, the problem is it's like, uh, literally about King Henry V, uh, which is Timothy Chalamet's plane, Um, Which so everyone's excited about because it's him, but it's also like I don't really need to see another you know kings and queens epic. (laughs) Like, but I I do like how
1: excited Chalamet seems about this movie. Yeah, yeah. There's something to be said when actors start really promoting a movie like that's not you know a a Disney where they're getting paid. I feel like he genuinely is excited about this movie, and that makes me excited.
0: The only thing is it's not in competition. It's in, like, a, a, a special screening section, which is a bit strange. It's, you know, it's like it should be playing competition, but maybe they I, – I don't know. That's the weirdest part about it, It that it, it, uh, its festival selection. Um, and then the other the one I really want to mention, of course, besides hoping that all these international films I could see are good, um, is this film uh, – it's a new film from um, – uh, a woman named Haifa Al-Mansur, who's, uh, I think she's Iranian filmmaker. Um, and her, her big debut is this film called Wajda, like W-A-D-J-D-A, which was, um, let's see what year it was. It was a couple of years ago, and, uh, 2012. And it was like a Sundance film. It was great. And then she actually came to Hollywood. She's been making Hollywood films. She made this Mary Shelley film a couple of years ago. And then a Netflix film this year called Napoli Ever After, or I think it was last year, last fall. Uh, which I really enjoyed. So she's been kind of doing Hollywood and now she has this new film called The Perfect Candidate, um, which is kind of described as this like comedy thing about a female physician. And I don't know, it's, it's, um, uh, sorry, she's Saudi Arabian. So it's, it's taken her back to those kind of roots to make something and it's playing in competition in a way where I'm like, oh, okay. Like I really, I really think she's an extremely competent, talented filmmaker. And I really want to see what she's made with this. Um, and then there's obviously a couple of documentaries and, you know, a new Pablo Lorraine film. He's the guy who did Jackie. Um, and so there's like stuff from like, yeah, OK, I'm really excited to see all this. As with every festival, I have no idea if it's going to be any good. And I, and I hope for the best. And I, I hope actually by the end of the festival, we can get a guest on and do kind of a recap of what we've seen and what's good and what's bad. Um, and especially talk about things like Joker and Ad Astra in more detail. Um, so yeah, I, I think that will be our next big discussion in the next few weeks, uh, as we get into the fall season, but that's, that's where we are now.
1: All right. I, well, I just wanted to jump on and talk again cause it's been a while. So I feel like we hit pretty much all, everything.
0: Yeah, for the most part. I mean, as everyone probably knows, and as you and I know, especially Mike, we could talk for 18 hours about every single film. Yeah. Uh, but that's my life, is I, I I talk endlessly with people, and I have to not do that. And well, we will.
1: You and I will try and find somebody to bring on our next episode. And yeah. There's plenty of stuff coming up, so good talking again.
0: Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone, and have
1: a good day yeah <laughs> you and make yeah, life if you're not going to listen again week if you're yeah. yeah
0: you're just tired of us just Do live we'll
1: long and prosper all that good stuff yeah may the force be with mike right. bye <laughs>
0: Ciao. <laughs>